it doesn't matter like what gender you are or what job you do or what skin color you have or whatever like everybody is welcome in fingerboarding Welcome to the Finger Space Podcast, a weekly show where we will dive deep into the history, stories, and controversies surrounding the fingerboarding community. Today, we will be talking to Katha about fingerboarding history and the beginning of FBS, the FBS brand, and how it shaped the community in Germany and around the world. Don't forget to smash that subscribe button on your streaming platform of choice. This show is sponsored by Fingerspace Co., which provides fingerboarding gear for writers of all skill levels and budgets. Katha, thank you for being on the show. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing good. Thanks for reaching out to me and having me on the show. Of course, of course. Like, like I said earlier, thank you for being on it and blessing us with your time. Now, the first question that we like to ask everybody that comes onto the show is, how did you get into fingerboarding? I think it was like around 2000, 2001, when I um, went into a local toy store and just discovered plastic fingerboards that weren't even tactic, like some really, really cheap brand. And that was like my first contact with fingerboarding. And um, yeah, I just tried it for a couple of weeks. And yeah, it was like everything was plastic, not working properly. So uh, I stopped using it and I really started fingerboarding in like 2005 when I discovered like Berlin Wood and Black River and I uh, saw like all the YouTube videos that you could actually do like real skateboard tricks on, on a fingerboard. That's really, really cool. I mean, that you started before, you know, even even you discovered Tech Deck, you know, Tech Deck seems to be the entry point for a lot of people. Now, were you, are you a skater? Were you skating? And that's kind of what drew you to it? Or was it just a cool little thing that you had seen that interested you? I always was interested in skateboarding, but I'm, I'm from like a small town in the middle of Germany and like skateboarding is not a thing in my area. Like, meanwhile, we have like a skate park, which is, has a terrible design, by the way, but at least now they have uh, something for skaters. But back then it was like, you really have to go like to uh, Frankfurt, like which is the next biggest city around to really go out and skate and or have other skaters around you. So I always wanted to skate, but I didn't have like any friends that skated. So like I came to it from like fingerboarding, like I'm still terrible at skateboarding, but it's, it's fun to just like stand on the board and push around and try to do an ollie and stuff. Of course, of course. I, I, I'm right there with you. I, I am a terrible skateboarder as well. So what was the scene like when you got started in 2005? Take us back to that day, you know, Berlinwood. Black River just getting started and all that type of stuff. As I said, I'm like from a, a small town in the middle of Germany. So the, the first contact with fingerboarding was like the online community, like from starting to, to see the YouTube videos um, from different people. I discovered uh, the international community, the uh, FFI forum. And we also had like a German uh, platform, fingerboard.de. And I just got involved and like asked my question like how to do an ollie and watched videos and things like that and the first time i really met somebody another thing about it in person was like about half a year after i started so i started like uh november december 2005 and i met the first other fingerboarders in like 2006 in summer 2006 and it was just a small meetup in southern Germany, but like 
the first thing about us I met were like Martin from Black River and Martin Winkler from Winkler Wheels and like a lot of big names. And it was just like a small event with like 15 people or something. And it was like sort of a promotion event for a German uh, brand of pencils in like a, a craft store. And yeah, it was like just super chill and like everybody uh, knew each other, like from the Fingerboard DE um, community. And like I stood out a bit because like I was like the only female there fingerboarding. And it was pretty crazy then that, that uh, Martin Winkler approached me and was like, oh, you're that girl from, from the forum. And he even knew my, my nickname from the community back then. And it was like, uh, I already, I felt welcome from like the first moment. I stepped into the scene. Man, that's that's awesome to hear. I mean, especially because to be real and honest, there is definitely a significant number of male fingerboarders and there is female. And, you know, it's kind of cool to know that in a male dominated area, you were accepted and brought in, especially that early on. Yeah, it's like, it doesn't matter like what gender you are or what job you do or what skin color you have or whatever. Like everybody's welcome in fingerboarding. Yes, and that's one of the many reasons that we all love this sport and community. So who was an early writer that really inspired you in fingerboarding or skateboarding for that matter uh, when you first got started? Some of the first videos on YouTube I saw were probably like the, all the tutorials from Gary Chin. I think everybody who started in like this around that time, 2005 to 2010, we also saw uh, those tutorials. And then people like Mike Schneider, um, Fabian Schreiter, uh, a well-known fingerboarder from Germany, Boris Dicci from Switzerland, all those who regular did videos back then, like 2005. YouTube was not as big as it became later for fingerboarding. So it was like everyone who put out videos in like a decent quality were like watched by, by every fingerboarder back then. Very, very true. And Gary Chin was definitely one of the, the biggest influences uh, for me as well. And it's interesting because he's, uh, I don't know if you've seen it, but he's just now making a comeback uh, now in 2021. Yeah, I saw it. It's really great to see him back. I actually met him um, at a rendezvous like 2019, I think he, he showed up. It was crazy to see him after all those years. That's awesome. That's really, really cool. So... So that's, you know, 2005 era and you start in 2006, you start meeting some some bigger people and, and getting out there with fingerboarding. How did that lead up to you starting uh, FBS, the fingerboard store, which is now one of the biggest online retailers for fingerboarding gear? Actually, it started everything at the fingerboard.de community um, where people were talking about about like colored bushings. Back then we only had the, the black bushings that came with the Black River rip tape. And like, there was a discussion, like somebody should like try to get colored bushings. It was like summer, fall 2007. And that's what I did. I just like researched it and tried to, to find colored bushings. And that was like the first product. And that's how everything started just with like colored O-rings, which is like, a standard product today that you can get everywhere basically so it started with that in late 2007 and like people were super hyped about having colored bushings so uh, a year later in 2008 i registered a uh, fingerboard store as a, as a legal business and it's running ever since 
really i had no idea that's how that's how you got started i started in 2010 so it's kind of like fps was kind of always a thing and later on it was you know the grip kind of really took off and blew up and was uh, the number one grip tape in the scene for a while yeah the, the grip tape uh, the fps tape came a bit later i think like um maybe late 2008 2009 was like the second product after like having color bushings now i have to ask because it's one of my favorite tapes and i have it on half of my setups here has it always been the same formula yeah like the tape itself it's always been the same thing from the first day the only thing that ever changed was uh, the glue on the bottom. Like the very first sheets had like sort of a, a white net in the glue, which made it almost impossible to remove the tape. So that's the only thing I changed about it. Now nowadays it's just like a, a plain uh, layer of glue. And but the tape itself, it's always the same. It never changed for like over ten years now. <laughs> yeah, it's it's fantastic. And whatever you're doing, you know, it's definitely stood the test of time. So you have your own products and you have all this amazing gear and all this stuff, but you also carry a lot of other companies' products as well on your site. So what kind of steered you in the direction of not only having your own gear that you can sell, but also distributing for other companies? That happened more or less due to the process like i started on the the fingerboard.de community with like uh presenting the the fact that I, that now there are uh, colored bushings and the only way people could get the bushings was like uh, meeting me in person at an event or like sending me a dm on the forum and that was just like too complicated to to manage so the next step was like uh, creating my own website and at that time i was still in school and had like uh an IT class, so I knew how to like program a contact form so people could send me like uh, a form to order stuff. You could just like click what products you wanted and like add your address and stuff. And that pretty much like grew up and was also too complicated to manage after uh, a couple of weeks. So I invested in like a proper online store and this took me a couple of months to set up. Like nowadays, just, nowadays it's super easy to to have an online store with like one click, you can open a Shopify store or something. But back then it was like really a lot of work and you like had to know how to program or at least like a little bit of HTML and stuff. And after I finished the store that would like save me a lot of time to handle orders and stuff, I just felt like it was, was too much work just for like the colored bushings that I had. So I reached out to people like Timo Lieben from Bollywood and uh, some other smaller uh, companies to and asked them if, uh, if they were interested to have their products on my website too. Um, because many small brands back then worked the same as FPS, like you, you met those people in person to buy their boards or wheels or whatever, or like you need you needed to know the people actually to get the your hands on the stuff. Yeah, I see that. So it kind of just like you said, with the process, it happened organically and it just kind of made sense to to have other other companies' products online. So it's kind of crazy how how much times have changed. You know, when when you started and early on when I started, um, the forums were kind of still really big. Um, but now everybody seems to be on the Instagram scene. So how do you think that Instagram has affected or changed the, the fabric of the fingerboarding scene over time, you know, as compared to when you started? It made, for sure, it made it a lot easier to stay connected internationally with everyone. Um, back then, like every sort of 
yeah, every country more or less had their own like online community. Like we had uh, in Germany, we had fingerboard.de. Then there was like an Italian forum, I think it was called Spaghetti Fingers, and like a Portuguese, a Spanish one, and of course FFI. And nowadays, meanwhile, everyone is like on Instagram. So it makes it a lot easier to stay connected internationally. And basically you can stay in touch with people or and organize things. For example, this podcast in a couple of minutes, because basically it's everything on your phone, in your pocket. And back then it was like, we come from an age where there were no smartphones. So you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Definitely. So with your perspective, how has this made it easier or even more difficult to run a business? It's easier because you can reach a larger audience and everyone has can can see your your posts and stuff but the hard thing is like the content you produce is very like short-lived like if i post something on instagram someone else will see it maybe I, I get a like and they forget about it back in the days you like posted a youtube video and you just pull it up over and over again and watch it again nowadays it's just like short clips and photos so you have to be more consistent producing content I think. But all in all, I think social media is an improvement because just uh, to be able to talk to everyone worldwide that is interested in fingerboarding is, yeah, very positive, I think. I think so as well. But it is very true what, what you just mentioned about how everything's kind of short lived. And I think that kind of has to do with the fact that there's so many more people doing this, which is great. But with that, there's so much media, it kind of gets cluttered. Yeah, true, true. So what would you say is one of the biggest differences from when you started and the fingerboarding scene now? I know it's, you know, a 15, 16 year span, but what would you say kind of the big differences are? Well, definitely like the, the international connection that like all the communities, let's say from the different countries are like one big international fingerboard scene, but definitely the quality of products. Like I don't, I can't imagine fingerboarding on a, on a setup I used more than 10 years ago, like Black River trucks, uh, professional made uh, finger, wooden fingerboards and like just a variety of stuff you can get nowadays. It's ridiculous compared to 15 years ago. Wow, that's the that's so true. And that's kind of that's the first time I've ever heard that answer. And I've never really thought about it that way. But that that's very, very true. I want to kind of change a course a little bit. So where have been some of the coolest places that you've gone to travel to because of fingerboarding? Oh, wow. Fingerboarding really brought me to a lot of places. Of course, a lot of uh, a lot of places in Germany and uh, travel to like Austria, Italy, Portugal. I've been to the US a couple of times. The favorite events I go to are like those events that involve like um, hanging around with people a couple of days before and after the, the actual uh, fingerboard event. So for example, I always love to go to to Pateo, that's uh, the place run by, by Oak Wheels in Portugal, to Mike for the flat face rendezvous or to, to Berlin, to the Ozzy Berlin store, to hang out with everyone. That's like some of my, my favorite places to go. Man, you just named like the three fingerboard meccas around the world, which is which is fantastic. So when did you first start traveling for, for fingerboarding? If the shop first opened up around, you know, 2007, 2008, when, when did you first get to travel for it? Well, I wouldn't really call it traveling 
everything that happened inside Germany because it was just like a train ride or like a two to three hour car ride. My first international trip um, was to the United States to Flatface Rendezvous. I think it was in 2009. It was the year where Black River did the first uh, US tour from like Boston to New York and then to Philadelphia. And I traveled to, to Boston together with uh, Harry Harald Schön from Germany. And we spent, I think, two weeks at Mike's house. And then we went to the, the rendezvous. And that was like the first time I really started traveling. And then from there, it took me more or less all over the world. Like the craziest thing I did was like uh, a tour in 2015 uh, across uh, Southeast Asia, for example. So like fingerboarding really took me everywhere. Wow, that's awesome to hear that that you've been able to experience that. We all know about the scene in the Philippines and that going on, but I've never heard of a tour out there. Yeah, it was in 2015. I lived in Indonesia for about for like four months to do an internship for my university program. And I had like four weeks left before my flight back to Germany uh, took off. So I intended to spend the time with a friend traveling around, but it, that didn't work out. So it was like sort of a DIY thing. I went on Facebook and did a, a survey on the FBS Facebook page and asked for fingerboarders in Asia, like where where you guys at? And is there anyone in your city or your area that like a fingerboard company or someone that's used to organize events and like people send me like accounts and stuff to to reach out to to local companies or people that organized events and as a result i did like a four-week tour with like my trekking backpack and some like stickers and products in my backpack and uh, we had nine events in in six countries and it was basically everything organized by local local fingerboarders. That is crazy and wonderful. I mean, that you just kind of managed to, to pull that together out of the whim of a hat with yourself and the people around you. That's awesome to hear, man. So so what were some of the countries that you visited on that tour? I'm kind of fascinated. That was a pretty crazy tour, yeah. <laughs> I lived in Bali at that, that time and it was like the last stop, so. Indonesia, I had three stops in Indonesia, I think. Uh, Singapore, Malaysia, Thailand, Taiwan, and two stops uh, in the Philippines. That's wonderful. Oh man, you've been all over the world. <laughs> well, I'm still missing like South America and Australia for sure. Hopefully the world can get back to normal soon enough and we can all start traveling again. Yeah, I hope so. Like traveling really is a big part for me and, and very much connected with fingerboarding. I always try to, to reach out to people when I go somewhere to, to fingerboarders. Like, for example, the last time I went to Rendezvous, I think it was uh, fall 2019, I got a cheap flight to New York City and just took the bus uh, to, to Boston. And on the way back, I spent a couple of days in New York and we had a local meetup in uh, Brooklyn. I think we were like 20 people or something. And that's just, that's perfect. It's awesome to just hang out with locals and mix it a bit with like traveling and sightseeing and stuff. Definitely. When, when something just, it, it just feels organic and natural and real. So hopefully soon we can, we can all get back to it. But until then, uh, I think we have to try and do more outreach just like we're doing now. So what would you say is something you admire or miss most kind of, of the quote unquote good old days of fingerboarding? In general, like YouTube videos, as I said before, like 
content became more short-lived and it's more like uh, short clips on Instagram and photos. Um, they don't need to be like super long edits, like just some two to three minute clips that are really, people really put some work into to making the video. That's something I miss. Um, and in general, like the long form conversations you used to have in like forums like fingerboard.de or FFI. Yeah, I, I agree with that, definitely. So the last question that, that I really want to ask you is, is more of an open-ended question. And that's because you have been around the scene um, almost from its inception and you've made such a big impact and, and you've done so much for the community. Um, what would you say is the biggest piece of advice that you can give somebody to focus on to make an impact in the fingerboarding scene? Wow, that's a big question. <laughs> I think it's like just stay original. Like I, I didn't started fingerboarding with the intention of doing of making products or having a company. It was just a, a hobby for me, and it still is a hobby for me today. So in terms of making an impact, either you become like a crazy good fingerboarder that makes great videos or you start to make some products at some point but yeah the main thing is just have fun with it and if you enjoy what you're doing you will make an impact if it's uh, a nice video or you're starting doing podcasts or uh, whatever sort of output you have just enjoy the process and people will notice if you have a good time fingerboarding. That is very, very good advice. Now, um, Katha, again, thank you so much for your time. Feel free, please, to plug yourself, the website, the Instagram for those maybe 1% that aren't already following you. And if you'd like to share any last words with the audience. Yeah, well, my, my Instagram is FPS and the website is fingerboardstore.de. Yeah, thanks again for having me on the show. And yeah, everyone just like keep fingerboarding, have a good, great time. And yeah, don't think about it too much. Just just enjoy it. Wonderful. Katha, again, thank you very much. Uh, it was an absolute pleasure. And until the next time, uh, stay safe and thank you for everything that you do. Thank you, guys. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Finger Space Podcast. Thanks for skating by, and don't forget to nosebonk that subscribe button and dark slide on over to our Discord server. This episode was produced by Fingerspace Co. and hosted by Nostalgia FB. Big thanks to all guests and listeners.